Welcome to Little Detours Shortcuts with Regina Brett, where in 10 minutes or less, you get tips, tools, and takeaways to help you love yourself, your life, and everyone in it. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Regina Brett. We know every line by heart because the books leave an imprint on our hearts. Once there was a velveteen rabbit, and in the beginning, he was really splendid. He was fat and bunchy, just as a rabbit should be. In the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon, and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. Oh, Pookie, it's time for bed now. Come out, little Pookie, oh, where can you be? Come out, little Pookie, I'll count one, two, three. My name is Zuri, and I have hair that is a mind of its own. It kinks, coils, and curls every which way. When you hear the words, you want to crawl into your mother's lap or pull a child onto your own lap and get lost in a book. Karen Sandstrom joins me to talk about her favorite children's books and why adults should keep reading them. Karen spotlights a children's book almost every Sunday on her Facebook page and shares her own illustrations at hashtag tinymorningsketch on Instagram. Karen's officially in the communications department at the Cleveland Clinic, but she's a child at heart and an artist ever since she could hold a crayon. Karen, thanks for being with me. Hi, Regina. Thank you for having me. So how many children's books do you actually own? Uh, I, I have not counted them, but I think it's safe to say I have, I probably have a couple hundred anyway. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Like your own library. I do. I have my own library. Not only that, but I have a kind of an old fashioned library cart with wheels on it. You know, it's wooden and it's, so it looks kind of cool. It's not one of the rickety metal ones, but it's where I load new children's books when I get them. So when I'm like preparing to read them. How fun is that? So when did you start this picture book Sunday and why? Well, I started the Picture Book Sunday, uh, maybe over the summer, this recent summer. I was the book editor for The Plain Dealer, the Cleveland newspaper, and uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And part of what I did um, during that time was review books of all kinds, including illustrated books. And when I left that, for a while, I was doing a regular picture book review for the paper. And then I stopped doing that. Um, I started Picture Book Sunday because I'm such a passionate enthusiast about picture books. I I did it really for myself because I just want other people to, I want to bring people along on this, on this trip, this amazing stuff that's out there. And and there are new titles all the time. And the illustrations have just gotten so beautiful. Really, I just want people to know about it. So what matters most, the words or the illustrations? Yes, the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the, you know, publishers, uh, will tell people who are in the picture, want to be in the picture book trade that generally speaking, a good rule of thumb is to think about the words and the pictures each doing about half of the storytelling. We, you know, we have to remember picture books are primarily for children. They're primarily for children who um, can't read yet or are just starting to read. And so they're being read too. So a lot of the storytelling gets done um, through the pictures. And kids will notice if you're reading a um, picture book to a child, the child might notice things in the artwork that the person reading to them isn't noticing because 
they're listening, but they're also really deeply looking. So in a good picture book, I would say at least half the work gets done by the illustrations. Now, one of the books you recently featured is Cozy by Jan Brett. No relation to me, unfortunately. But one of her books I have never forgotten is The Mitten. I can still see that mitten growing as the animals gather in it. The power of the words and the and the illustration, she really captures that. So tell us about Cozy. What is that like? Uh, Cozy is about one of my favorite kinds of animals, a musk ox. And I think Jan Brett has some connections to Alaska now, like a relative, maybe a daughter living in Alaska or something like that. So I know she spent some time in um, in Alaska and has done some things on the culture there. And so this is about a muskox who is in a big snowstorm and all the other animals nearby seek shelter in the muskox's like fur, I guess. It feels like there should be another word for it, but, but fur. But what I love about Jan Brett and all her books is that um, she does an enormous amount of storytelling just in the main illustrations, but in the margin illustration, she always frames her, every page has kind of a frame around it where there's subtext going on in the illustrations. It's a very cool thing that she does. So that's happening a lot. And she's she's got a wonderful style. It almost like gives it another dimension as you're reading it. There's this other layer on the on the edges of the pages. That's right. There's always kind of a kind of a subplot going on. Right. Yeah. So Karen, what makes for the a great children's book? Animals alone, animals plus humans or humans? I think, Regina, that there might be a different way to, to approach the question. All of the creatures or characters in a, in a picture book are really stand-ins for the most part, because most picture books are written with protagonists who are um, stand-ins for the child reader. And so um, even if it's a book about animals, the book really tends to be about a child and the animals are, are just stand-ins for, for the kids. And so it doesn't really matter, although sometimes you know, often the animal uh, traits or characteristics are played upon by the storyteller. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all kids in a lot of ways. That's a great look at it. So another book you spotlighted, Lights on Wonder Rock by David Litchfield, about yeah. a little girl named Heather, and it takes her kind of through her whole life. It does. And it's what, one of the things I love about it is that it does, it takes it through her whole life and from the time she's a little girl until um, she's kind of an old lady. And this book is just gorgeous. It's the artwork in it is luminous and funny. And um, it's just a feast for the eyes. And it tells the story of a, um, a little girl who goes out onto a rock and is hoping to see, basically hoping to see an alien. And, you know, it's not giving too much away to say that she does see, see an alien. And then um, it's kind of what the relationship that develops with this friend from far away over over her lifetime. And it's just wonderful. Most, most uh, picture books are about 32 pages. I think this one is maybe 48 pages. I'm not sure, but it's, it's quite involved and beautiful and touching. So I was going to ask you about the book length. So 32 pages, that is about ideal or that's kind of the standard. Yeah, it's a standard um, picture book length. Some of the um, really well-established picture book 
writers and illustrators get a little longer if they're successful. But these, this is an expensive form. These illustrations, they often use better paper than you would see with a regular book. And so they're expensive books to produce. And, you know, if you have a book that is running over 32 pages, a picture book that's running over 32 pages, it's, it's, um, they really indulged there, but um, yeah, that's about, about right. Now, another book you spotlighted is called What Will Build by Oliver Jeffers. You call it quirky, sweet, and wonderfully weird. Yeah. Um, Oliver Jeffers is, I would say one of the hottest names in picture books these days. He does these super simple illustrations, really. They're um, compositionally, you know, we talked about um, Jan Brett, who's got a ton of detail in her drawings. Oliver Jeffers does not do that. He does kind of the opposite, but he works in watercolors and he has this gorgeous, rich, um, colorful, but simplified style. I love kind of everything he does, but that particular um, book is written um, for his daughter. And it's about all kinds of things that a parent and a child build together over time. They build real things, they build forts, but they also build memories and the, the intangibles too. And so it too is another touching, gorgeous um, story that, um, and it's really nice to have that father-daughter pairing um, in storytelling. Um, you don't see it quite as much as mother-daughter or, you know, whatever. So it's outstanding. Well, some of my favorites, I don't know if you like these, but I've got three grandchildren and I just love reading to them. The Day the Crayons Quit by Drew Daywalt. Yep. Anything by Mo Willems. Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus, Nuffle Bunny. They love those. Otis, the tractor story by Lauren Long. And then the classics like Green Eggs and Ham, Sheep in a Jeep, The Monster at the End of the Book. Uh, hair Love, beautiful book by Matthew Cherry about a young girl, African-American girl and her hair. I think it also won an, uh, an Oscar for a short film. What are your like favorites that you would, if you had like a top 10 or a top five that you would recommend for people? Well, um, I, one of my favorites from way back by now is Owl Moon by um, Jane Yolen. And it is a poetic story about a father and child who go out on a moonlit night to look for owls. And it too, it's very, it's very poetic. It's another um, beautiful watercolor illustration book. Um, so just really super artfully done. In fact, I've got it here and I should have said who the illustrator is. It is, um, the illustrator is John Schoenherr um, and it is a um, Caldecott winner. So that's a favorite of mine. There's another book called, that I, probably people who pay attention to me talking about this are sick of hearing about, but one of my all-time favorites is a book called Flotsam by David Wiesner. And Flotsam is a wordless book, but a very intricate story. Part of the reason I love it is that it takes place at the ocean on the, uh, I believe on the Jersey Shore, which is a favorite place for us uh, to go when we go on vacation. And Flotsam is about a camera that washes up from the sea and the child uh, who finds it develops the film. And it's this magical thing where the pictures move back through time. It's an old camera. So you get to see 
pictures of pictures of pictures going back in time, but it's just gorgeous. It's beautifully illustrated. Um, it does take some concentration. So maybe not for, you know, a real young child, but for an attentive kid. And it's, it's one of my favorites. And then I, I was big into Halloween books when my children were young. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about Halloween and children's uh, book writers and illustrators that it's just, it's a magical pairing. And there's a book called Frankenstein Makes a Sandwich. And it's hilarious. It's lots of poems about Frankenstein and Dracula. They're very, it's very, very funny. So, so that's one of my all-time favorites. Ah, what else? My grandkids always liked Room on the Broom for Halloween. Oh yeah, Room on the Broom. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Now, while you're thinking, what about monsters in books? Some kids love having a monster in a book. Some kids are terrified of a monster in the book. Well, it's funny. Um, monsters, you know, not not every kid is, you know, it's like everything else. Not every kid is is up for monsters. But most of the time when you see monsters in books, they are metaphors and they are approached with kids in mind. I'm looking at a book right now called How I Met My Monster. And it's about a monster under the bed. And they're funny. In most cases, they are about helping a child dispel fear of some kind. Um, but you do have to know your child. I, when I had my girls, was reading to my girls when they were young, um, <laughs> there was this book called One Lucky Girl. I don't believe it ever like made any charts or anything. It was the strangest book. Beautifully done artsy illustrations. And it was about a tornado that hit a trailer park. And after the tornado swept through, um, this family realized that their baby was gone. And the baby was eventually found in her crib, undisturbed, like sleeping in her crib after the tornado had swept through. But I, I remember reading that book to my children thinking, what were they thinking? And yet, strangely, <laughs> over time, my kids started to latch on to this weird little story. So I had um, two sensitive kids, but one really sensitive and kind of fearful kid. And I don't know, eventually it became a cool thing. So you just kind of don't know. It's how, the, it's, how it's treated. That's a good, good approach. I have three grandkids and they're all totally different. And sometimes they're terrified by a book, but want to keep reading it night after night after night. Right. Yeah. So we don't have much time here left. We're just doing a shortcuts version here. But Karen, what about the classics? You know, Winnie the Pooh, Clifford, the big red dog, Curious George. Are there some that it's time to retire or are they going to last forever for kids? You know, I think the classics really do last forever. I mean, I really think, you know, you read from Goodnight Moon. I think Goodnight Moon is going to be around. I think Peter Rabbit is going to be around for a long time. Curious George remains big. The thing that has made them classics is that they speak to perennial issues of childhood. You also, on parallel with that, you see trendy kinds of books. There's this kind of metafiction thing going on with 
books about reading books where the kid is interacting with the book and, you know, they, they, the child is told to do something on the page and then turn the page and do something else. There's trends in books. And I think of that as kind of the anti-story trend. But I think the things that have made classic children's books popular all go back to story. So I don't, I, I think some of the things that are in the really super popular trendy books of the day, those things might pass. But if you have a good story, it's going to keep going. There you go. And one last thing, what would you read before bed? If you could pick up one children's book that would like fill your soul, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Because I do actually, I do sometimes read children's books. I There's a, right now, uh, there's a book that is my new favorite, and it's called Ocean Meets Sky, and it's by the Fan Brothers. I think everybody on the planet should own this book. It's got gorgeous illustrations um, about um, the sea and sea creatures and flying boats, but it is about a child who was going to make a boat with his grandfather and his grandfather is gone now. And without really ever saying that the grandfather is gone, that comes through the story. And I do tend toward these kind of lyrical books, really, you know, where the, where the words are very well chosen and it's got a calming quality to it. So I am big on, Ocean Meets Sky by the Fan Brothers. I think if you read that, your stress level will diminish and you will sleep. <laughs> that sounds like a great book before bedtime. We yeah. were talking to Karen Sandstrom, an artist and illustrator in the communications guru at the Cleveland Clinic now. Karen, thanks for joining me. I want to thank you for listening to Little Detour Shortcuts with Regina Brett. You can also hear guests interviewed on my longer podcast. Just subscribe to Little Detours with Regina Brett, an Apple podcast or your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, please give us a rating and review so we can reach more people. If you want more inspiration, go to my website, reginabrett.com. While you're there, sign up to receive weekly inspiration. I have a weekly word of the week, a little while for your life. I want to thank you again for listening. Now go make something.